And all of you precious mamas, you that have been mothers, may the Lord continue to bless you. And remember, without you, there would be no continued life. With you, the beginning of physical life, but also the beginning of spiritual life. All right? Now, I, this is my sweetheart's first Mother's Day in heaven. And uh, after almost 53 years of ministry together and life together, I will tell you I'm glad I belong to the Lord Jesus. And I'm glad that at the end of this trip is heaven. And I just, early this morning when I was awakened, I thought of Shirley this morning, grabbing our little son Jeffrey in heaven and our little daughter Brenda in heaven and putting her arms around them for the first time since the separation here on earth. And I think probably she may have said, Daddy's coming soon. Shall we pray? Father, now we place this service in your hands, and I pray, Almighty God, that you would just use this time Allow us to recognize that you have gone before us today. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I would like this morning to speak on the subject, the God of power and His eternal selection. Now you go, wait a minute. The God of power and His eternal selection. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Peter chapter 1. And I'd like to read a few verses for you. And I would love to have you mark these in your Bible because I feel they're that important. And it says this, 1 Peter chapter 1, (coughs) starting with verse 1. Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, and Concord. Oh. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Did you notice the triune God? God the Father, relationship there, and sanctified through the Holy Spirit, and then redeemed, actually, by the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ. And grace and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again, unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And I just want you to know, it's a thrill to know historically there's more statements 
made concerning the resurrected Christ on earth than there is about Julius Caesar's life. Just a little thing you ought to know. And I used to tell my seminary, you've got so much ammunition that you can't, you know, somebody says, I don't believe it, that's fine, but they cannot disprove it. It is there. And then, all of us, we're brought to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. that make you a little bit happy? that make you a little excited? And then notice what it says. Who are kept, underline it, by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We're kept by the power of God. And you know, I... I find myself saying, what's wrong with you, Cook? I, I have trouble getting up. For a guy that was a pro-athlete, a semi-pro athlete, that's not a fun thing. And I don't like it. I had this wonderful operation on my back and it's supposed to be... You know, it's all great, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But you know something? That's Okay. Because we that are a little bit older are the way showers of those that follow us. And I have grandsons. Well, I've got eight grandchildren. And I've got six great-grandchildren. And anyway, I'm a blessed and rich man. But you know, my grandsons all played basketball. The shortest one, six foot two. And then set of twins, six foot seven. Then another guy, six foot eight. And then the big guy, six foot ten. And he weighs about 260. And I taught him how to bump somebody out of the center. <laughs> and I was watching him as they, the three of them played first string University of uh, Bethel University, Minnesota. And I watched as they were playing. Gustavus Adolphus, and here's this big six foot ten monster kid of mine. And I was watching him, and all of a sudden I saw the center. He was here, and then he was there, and the most innocent look on my grandson's face. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I taught him that as a. <laughs> yeah, I've coached a lot. Anyway, but you know. God is eternal power. And we are those that have the privilege of being related to Him. I am so thankful that we belong to Him. But I want us to recognize something about God's power and His selection through grace. In the 84th Psalm, I find myself taken by several verses of Scripture. Psalm 84. And here is what he said in the Old Testament time to the children of Israel, to those that were there. Verse 11 says, 
For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. Grace and glory. And all of us as men, we need a special little area to help us with graciousness, don't we? And you know, the more masculine we are, the more important it is. The more scholarly we are, the more important it is. The more prosperous and successful we are, the more we need to remember God gives us grace. And then it says, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Now, I had the privilege of being raised in India, and I just got back from India just a few weeks ago, three weeks there, and I was there with our son, who most of you have met. He's the little guy, and he, our sons are both little guys, and they're the ones that are the parents of all these giants. And uh, he's six foot five, and he works in the Mideast and in India, and we were there in India together. And one of the things that I recognized, here we are. And we were asked to speak at this big Central India conference, representing over 2,000 churches. And one of the graduates of his Bible college, which some of you are interested in, one of the graduates who graduated four years ago, little insignificant, nothing, looks like a village man. And I was with him, and I want to tell you something. I couldn't believe what I saw. This little guy has graduated from the Grace Bible College four years ago, and this little nothing guy has planted 33 churches in 33 villages. I want to tell you something. God is the God that is an eternal power in the lives of all of us that are not so incredibly powerful. I recognize the fact the amazing grace of God declared throughout the entirety of the Old Testament. And I... Think of the amazing grace declared by God through the entirety of the New Testament. Turn with me, if you will, just a second quickly. And my problem is I've got a four and a half hour message that I'm supposed to be done in a little while. But um, I will be done as soon as I'm finished, okay? <laughs> and Jeremy can fire me later. But look at the ninth chapter. Here it is, starting with verse 1. And Saul, <laughs> breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, and you know the thing, he got permission to persecute the Christians and kill them, bring the prison, whatever. And he was going on his merry way saying, I am going to take care of these Christians. And you know what? That's the Lord calling, honey. <laughs> I have to tell you, oh man, I was giving an invitation 
when somebody's cell phone went off. And I just said, I don't know who it is, but I think you better answer because the Lord is talking to you. And anyway, it was interesting. Here it is. And here Saul says, I am going to take care of these Christians. And then the Bible says, in verse 3, and he, as he journeyed near Damascus, suddenly the shining around him, a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And Saul said, Who art thou, Lord? Whoa! Who art thou? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you persecute. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will you have me do? Whoa! God's power Incredible here. The grace of God choosing Paul, Saul, and made him a Paul. And then I get awfully excited when I think of how God chose Peter. I don't have time to go into that, but if you have a chance, turn when you get home to John's Gospel, the 21st chapter, and it talks about Peter. So, we find first and foremost the power, the God of power and His selection through grace. God sets us aside. God's the one that before we were ever born, the day before we were conceived, He had the end of our lives taken care of. And I'm so proud of you as a church taking your stand for life. So proud. Secondly, the God of power and His selection through Scripture. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 8, and I really would love to just take one passage and be there for a long time, but I have to do this. Romans 8:28, <coughs> the entirety of who we are and what we are. Verse 28 says, <coughs> For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow. Do you think God has any problem knowing what's happening in the future? God doesn't have any trouble with that. And so He knows your reaction to Him way before it ever happened. And so here, He... All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. For whom He foreknew, He did predestinate, set apart, to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn amongst many brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestinate. <laughs> this is your entire Christian life in one verse, by the way. He did set you aside, and He called you, and them that He called, He also justified. Them that He justified, He also glorified. One day, we are going to be with Him. Now, several of you, dear ones from Egypt, I just have to bring you some greetings. Since the military has taken control of that nation, which was very important, our son, whose works there and several precious ones have been part of his life, 
they have had over 3,000 come to Christ. That's just in the last number of months. And in the last number of months since the military is coming to power, they have seen ten new churches that have been established. And you talk about the power of God during the days of Acts? Yes. But God is at work in Acts-type events today. Our son was with a number of pastors and they were in Upper Minia, which is the Upper Nile. And they were having five evangelistic outreaches up there. And during one of them, one of their pastors was captured by the Muslim Brotherhood group. And in that area where they were, he was beheaded and said, this is what we're going to do to the Christian. You know something? I come to this country and I find Christians going, you know, things are so hard. My goodness, did you know that the newspaper is speaking against us? And Did you know? Yeah. Why do you think God put you here now? God put you here to be an absolute standard bearer for Jesus Christ. In the midst of darkness, you're the light that points to the Lord Jesus. And our son said, he said, when this happened, I thought the guys would say, well, we're going to go back home. And you know what? They said, oh no, we're going to finish the evangelistic crusade we have started. And he said, Dad, what courage. And I want you to know, here at Concord Bible Church, and I'm so excited to see a number of you new people here, because God is putting life into your midst for a reason. Don't worry about the big churches. God bless them. Let them have them. You worry about being the power church for Almighty God. Let God worry about the numbers. Don't worry about the big numbers. Worry about the person that you know that needs Christ. Amen. That's all. Excuse me. This crazy thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> Lastly, I want us not only to recognize the God of selection through Scripture, not only the God of selection through His grace, but the God of power and selection because of His purpose. That's what I want you to follow me for today. His purpose. Why have you been touched by the Lord during this period of time? Why? Why are you here when... There's so much that it's against you in school. And by the way, I went, I don't usually go to movies, but I went to see this one called God is Not Dead. I'm going, yeah. Because I, I minister to university kids. And the craziest thing is they ask for me. And I'm <clears throat> 83. And they want to know. But God has a 
purpose. And that purpose, throughout history, the redeemed have been selected to accomplish His purpose. Isn't that great? Turn with me to Acts chapter 9 and notice a statement that starts at verse 10. And it says this, Therefore said they unto him, How are we that how are thine eyes open? And he answered and said, The man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed me in my eyes, said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam, you know, and wash and receive my sight. And they said, Where is he? And he said, I know not. And they brought the Pharisees unto him aforetime the man that was blind and it was on the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened the eyes and then the Pharisees asked him how he had received his sight and he said put clay on my eyes and I washed them I did see therefore some of them of the Pharisees said this man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath others said he can how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And so on. <laughs> and then they said to the guy that was blind, what do you got to say for yourself? He said, I don't know. I was blind. Now I can see. Okay? Is that enough? I want to ask you a question. Where are you with the Lord? Did you ask the Lord to save you? Yes or no? Did he? And I want to tell you something. I am so glad that I have heaven. Just July 1 of this year, my sweetie went into his presence after we had ministered. We, by the way, I retired 18 years ago. <laughs> and since that retirement, I have traveled over one million miles around the world in ministry. And you know something? My little sweetie went with me. But the day before she went into his presence, our little great-granddaughter, four years old, she got up on the bed and she was kissing her great-grandma and she said, Good grandma, I love you. And then she patted her and then all of a sudden she looked and she said, Great-grandma, are you going to see Jesus today? And Cheryl said, went like this. She couldn't speak for the last three months. Couldn't swallow. And yet there was never one day of reaction. And she went like this, like that. And then she touched our little great-grandma's, our little great-granddaughter's heart and said, we are going to be together. You know something? I don't care who we are. There's nothing that is so incredible is to be able to say, I know in whom I have believed. I know I am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've committed unto Him against that day. 
Just recently in India, our son and I were ministering, as I said, in this area, and also ministering in the Bible college that he has started. And one of the Bible college students came up to me. He's been, he just had accepted the Lord as Savior about a year ago. And what happened? He was thrown out of his home. Number two, he's thrown out of his village. Number three, is threatened with his life. He came up to me and he stands about this tall. And he looked up at me and he said, Dr. Cook, I am the most blessed student in this whole college. And all he has is a little shelf that much. That is all the belongings he has in the world. And here he says, I'm the most blessed student in the And I said, why? He said, Dr. Cook, I am totally dependent on the one I have received as Savior. And you know something? And he said to me, I don't want your money. What? God knows he could have used some. I don't want your money. But he said, I want one thing. I said, what's that, son? He said, would you pray for me? And I tucked his head into my arm and I prayed. And then he said, pray that I will be a servant used of God in my India. Okay. What's that dumb little village kid know that some of us brilliant American people don't know? I think one of the things we don't know is dependence. We are the Lord's and when we've accepted Christ, we need to be able to say, Lord, I'm Yours and whatever You want of my life, that You may have. The purpose for this church is to say we are going to be a kingdom interest church. We're going to invest in the Lord's kingdom. I love what Pastor said. We're not going to talk about them coming and joining our church. We're going to have them join the family of God. And just to tell you something, your church will blossom because God never, ever can be outgiven. He's going to give you. But we are here. Your church that has been set aside in conquered area to be a reflection of Christ in the midst of it all. Now, you say, well, we're just one church. I've been looking at this precious couple here. Good looking. Great. He's very uh, sober, though. That's but I've been looking. You're a special couple. And as a couple, they have a ministry that nobody else has. You have a relationship to the Lord with your people that nobody else has. That's just like Concord Church. It's one family in this area that is unique. And I pray God's blessing on you. You're a fabulous, good-looking couple.
And I can say that because I know what good-looking couples look like. <laughs> All right, we come to the close of our thoughts. Yes, God's incredible power in relationship to grace. God is gracious to us, is He not? We have problems, yes. We have difficulties, yes. But we depend on the God of grace. And God's grace is God... Well, you know what the difference is between grace and mercy, don't you? Mercy, God withholding from us what we justly deserve. Grace is God giving to us what we don't deserve. I'll take that. God's power in relationship to grace, God's power and selection in relationship to Scripture. You stand on the authority of the Word of God. And I will tell you, Christians today, Christian leaders today, are compromising everywhere we turn. I was so disappointed with World Vision. Oh yes, I'm glad they recanted and made it back again. But, Wait a minute. What gave them the thought they could do what was against God's Word and get away with it? All of the people stood up and just about... Well, anyway. They did recant. Praise God for that. But we're living in a compromised time to such a place that we are so interested in being politically correct, we forget about truth. And we're so seeker-friendly, we say, well, we want to be your friend and not tell them the truth and send them to hell as a friendly gesture. I say, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. Has God redeemed you? Yes or no? Has He changed your life? Yes or no? Then truth is you're on your way to heaven. Amen? And that's not to be compromised. And God's Word is not to be compromised. And we need to stand and let this church be known. It stands on the authority of the Word of Almighty God. And it has not changed. It will not change. And it never can be changed. Because God's Word is absolute. And that's where we stand. Pastor, could I have just a couple? <laughs> I uh, I've thought of a lot of things, and I've asked God during these days to make me more effective for Him, make me more conscious and cognizant of the fact of who God is. And the other night, I was sitting on my deck, and we, we live at 7,300 feet. And Cheryl wasn't there to tell me to do this because she used to always say when we got home, she used to say, why don't you go out on the deck as I make dinner and find your friends. And I have a certain star and a certain spot and that star is the first star in the heavens at night. And I sit on that deck 
And in Colorado, of course, we have skies that are as clear as crystal. And I look for that one star. And when it appears, I go, whoa! How many million miles away is that star? And here's his, the reflection, this reflecting that light to me from all those millions of miles away. And I go, and I'm taken by scientific things relating to that star in our universe. And all of a sudden, I say, wow, my concept of God, as I look at that one star, and then just in a few minutes, there are seven stars around that star. And in just those few minutes, my concept of the greatness of God just grew seven times. And when I speak at universities, I use this, by the way. And then, as I'm looking in awe, and I'm sitting there, all of a sudden, stars, stars, stars. And there are millions of them in just a moment. And I think of the fact, and my God created them. And I look and I say, what a God. What an incredible God. And we worry about some clown saying, you're a Christian and you've got a problem? Good grief. We've got the Lord. We've got the God of the universe. We make no apology for Him. A few years ago, Shirley and I were in Rome, and we went to the catacombs. And that's where the Christians... You, you know about them, don't you? And I met a Filipino priest there. And I looked at him, and I said, God, he said, Filipino smokeo? You're from the Philippines? He looked. He said, you know my language? I said, yes. I said, what are you doing here? And he said, well, my last parish, I was talking about the resurrected Christ too much. And they assigned me here. And I said, and so what are you doing here? Oh, he said, sir. I get so excited about the Lord. And he said, I talk about the resurrected Christ here in this place of death. I took him in my arms and I hugged him and I said, you Keep up the good work. Then he said, can I take you to a place I don't take people? I said, I'd love that. And so we walked and it was hot. It's not a exciting tourist place to go for that's for sure but as we went along finally we came and he moved, turned into this and he turned on his light and he said Opo welcome to the chapel of the martyrs and I went whoa and so I saw over here skull thigh bones here 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 all around that chapel. And I said, who are they? He said, nobody knows their names. But they could not be buried here unless they'd been martyred for the faith. Guess what I did? For the next almost one hour, I went and I put my hands on the 
skull and the thigh bones. And I said, Lord, I don't know who these people were, but I am so thankful to you that they stood for you. And I said, thank you for them. Thank you. And I went all that whole area and I thanked God. And then I got on my knees and I said, Thank you, Lord, that these were the carriers of heritage faith to my generation. And I vowed before the Lord that until I saw him, I would do my utmost to be a carrier of heritage faith. May I ask you a question? I don't know where you are with the Lord. And if you know the Lord, I want to ask you a question. Are you willing to be a carrier of heritage faith from this place to where you are, to who you are related? I mean, in, as neighbors and so on. That's why God has put you here. Am I right? So I would love to have you this moment bow your head and if you belong to the Lord, you tell Him, Lord, I want to be a carrier of that heritage faith. Would you do that now? And while you're doing that, I wonder if there's somebody here that would say to me, Dr. Cook, I'm not sure that I'm on my way to heaven. Well, you've heard from the Word of God that He has made arrangements for you and He has already selected you to be His. And I'd love to ask you right now, if you are not sure you're on your way to heaven, pray this prayer with me right now in the quietness of your heart. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Just pray it. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, you're the Savior. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin and I ask you to be my Savior. And the Bible says if you call upon the name of the Lord, which I trust you just did, the Bible says you are now a child of God. But pray that prayer. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, you're the Savior. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. And Lord Jesus, I ask you to be my Savior right now. And if you've done that, would you just say, Thank you, Lord, for saving me. For all of the rest of you that know the Lord, this is a turning point in your Christian life, I pray. And I would like to ask you to pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I'm yours. Thank you that you've saved me. Lord Jesus, I look at my community and I ask, Oh God, Make me a carrier of heritage faith to this generation. Lord, you have seen our hearts and you've heard our cry. And I ask first and foremost, and this is all we're going to ask you to do, if this morning you have said, Lord, Make me a carrier of heritage faith 
This is my decision. If you made that decision, would you just slip your hand up and put it down? Bless your heart. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Many, many hands. God bless you. Lord bless you. Anybody else? Right now, say, Lord, thank you that I've had the courage to make that decision. And while you're doing that, I wonder if there's one person that would say, Pastor Jim, I'm not sure I'm on my way to heaven, but I prayed that prayer. I want to be on my way to heaven. Would you pray for me? Would you just slip your hand up right where you are and put it down? Anybody, anywhere. I want to make sure that I'm on my way to heaven. Would you pray for me? Lord, you've seen our hearts and you've seen the decisions. And Father, because of the decisions of your people, great things will happen in this fellowship. And it will be because of you, nothing else. And Father, I pray your blessing upon this congregation in Jesus' name. Amen. May I just say thank you for allowing me the privilege of being here. And you know, if you get to heaven before I do, tell the Lord I'm coming, okay? More than likely, I will beat you to heaven. And if I do, I'll say, Lord, those people that conquered are coming. And when you, we meet, I'll meet you just inside the eastern gate over there, okay? And we together will go into the presence of the Lord, laying all rewards at His feet and saying, Thou, Lord Jesus, art worthy of all honor, majesty, because it's Your kingdom. And we acknowledge You as our Redeemer, our Savior, our Lord. Until then, keep on keeping on for Him. God bless.